and around about the throne were four and twenty elders, and upon the seat sat the four and twenty elders clothed in white raiment, and they had their heads crowned with golden crowns. And out of the throne proceeded lightning and thunder and voices. And there were seven lamps of fire burning before the throne, which were the seven spirits of God. Before the throne, there was a sea of glass like crystal. In the midst of the throne, around about the throne, were four beasts full of eyes before and behind. The first beast was like an iron, the second beast was like a calf, and the third beast had the face of a man, and the fourth beast was like a flying eagle. And the four beasts had each of them six wings about them, and they were full of eyes within, and they rest not day or night, saying, Holy, Holy, Holy is the Lord God Almighty, which was, which is, and which is to come. And when those beasts gave the glory and honor and thanks to him that sat upon the throne, who lived forever and ever, the four and twenty elders fell down before at the throne and worshipped him that lived forever and ever. And they cast down their crowns before him, saying, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive the glory and honor and power. Thou hast created all things for thy pleasure. Every time the four beasts who were full of eyes in the back and the front, every time they would reveal a facet of who God is, the procession of worship would begin to happen. The procession of worship would begin to be stirred up and they would begin to worship and all over again they would cast down their golden crowns, declaring he is sovereign. He is worthy. He is the Almighty. There's none like Him. Then the 24 elders would worship again as the creature, as the four living creatures would shift and reveal another facet of who He is. And they would begin to worship and they would say nothing is worthy to be lifted higher than the Most High. And this procession would just continue. He would just allow the four, the four living creatures to continue to shift and reveal and shift and reveal and shift and reveal and as they revealed his nature as they revealed the many names that he carries the 24 elders would be just like it was the first time they would cast their crowns down and they would worship they would worship 
they would worship and they would cry holy 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 is the one who sits upon the throne and the lamb and they would just worship because he was worthy in Hebrews it says that in other times or in other dispensations God revealed himself to man in many different ways many different names were revealed but in this day it's through Jesus everything culminates in the name of Jesus that name is above every name that name is above everything that can be named here in this time and even the hereafter holy 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 says the four and 24 elders as they worship as they lift his name on eye as they set their heart gaze nothing was worthy to steal their gaze nothing was worthy to steal their praise that they offered unto the king of kings and the lord of lords for he is worthy 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 suti amari ambaseti abasu hukamayeti amari ambasu huri ambaseti amari ambasoko miandara Oti amari ambasori ambase hiri ambasuti amari andarabase eri ambasuti amari andarabase ari ambasuku mi andarabayeti abasu all valleys be made high all mountains be made low every high place made low right now in Jesus name every high place that has been lifted up that has been magnified in the place of the Most High, be made low in Jesus' name. And all valleys be lifted up, be exalted. Sotia Mariam Basu. Tuti amati amari andarabase ti amaku gamayetia. Uti amati amasuti amari amba. Hukumi andarabayeti amari uti amasu. Huyanamayeti amaso kumi andara. Oti amari andarabasu kumi andarabaye. Hidi ambasuti amaku mi andarabaye. Hikamayandarabayeti amasu. Take your eye gaze. Take your eyes off of the things that you cannot change. Set your affections on things above, not things beneath. 
For what you behold is what you become. You cannot move or shift things if you're beholding it. You need to behold the one who shifts all things, who heals all things, who delivers all things. He is the breaker that breaks through and break forth right into victory. Put your heart posture, shift your heart posture upon him and him alone. Suti amari amba suku miyana. Meti amani amba suti amba. Koti amari amba seti amba suti amba se. Ikama suti amari amba su. Huya namayeti amari amba su. Huka mayeti amari amba su. Hiti amba soti amari anda. Koti amba suti amari anda. Oh, the Amadi Ambasukumiara. Why do you worry? Do you think I do not see or do not know or my hands are too short? For I'm your loving Father and I see you. I see you. Jehovah Elroy sees you and he hears your cry. Why do you worry when I'm in control? Why do you worry when the earth and all things are in my hands? For the just shall live by faith in him who is in control of all things. The hearts of the kings of this world are in my hands. I can sway them and move them like a river changes its course. I am he who can overturn, overturn, overturn until it's in your favor. For I am good, and I will bring you into good. And I will not stop until it's good. Put your trust in me. Set your eyes on me. For in this season, I'm going to reveal my nature. I'm going to reveal who I am to you personally. 
that you may know me in a deeper way, that you may know me in a new facet. There are depths that I'm going to take you. And there are things that I'm going to reveal. I will make known my manifest wisdom unto you. For the friends know what the master's thinking, but a servant doesn't. There is a oneness that I am calling you into. It's the bride space. It's the, the, the love chamber. I'm bringing you closer that you would walk in such union with me. For everything that I am seated under the, next to the Father is who you are in this moment. And I tell you, there be some things that are going to take place very quickly. And you're going to see my nature in these things being revealed here on the earth as it is in heaven. And you're going to know that I am in control, that it is me that you ought to fear and reverence. For man makes many plans, but it is the purpose and will of God that prevails. Man makes many plans. Man has schedules. Man has a hidden agenda. Nothing that man does can get through unless I allow it. For all things consist and move because I allow it. You don't understand my ways, but I'm going to make my ways known to you. For you and it is for you to know the things that are mysteries that are things that are in the dark it is for you to know my covenant lovers my beloved it is for you to know my heart that you would move in step with me in this season and beyond Know that doors are opening. Know that doors are opening and pieces are moving into place. 
and I'm going to cause you to sense me and to recognize me even more than you've ever recognized me before. That you would move and breathe in step with me as you step through these doors, as you move through these opportunities, as I create things that, that were not existing prior to this situ prior to this situation. You will see my hand create, just like I did for Joseph. I created a place, a position for him to be, that he would display the kingdom nature of who I am. The reason that I want to unfold my wisdom, my way, is that my children, the bride, would reveal who I am to the church. But the just shall live by faith. It is your faith that will access. It is your faith that will allow you to go into the, into the doors and into the green pastures of the kingdom. It is your faith that will move the things that need to be moved. But know that I am God and there's none like me. some kingdom things that are going to take place for the kingdom and the kingdom advancement. Things that you've been praying for, things that you've been seeking for are going to be kingdom things that God is going to use to show the world who the kingdom is. But no, and let it be etched in your hearts that he and he alone is God 
and still and has always been and always will be in control. He is still in charge. Thank you today, Lord, for your presence. I thank you for your goodness. I thank you for the Holy Spirit that you would just move and have your way and you would teach tonight. You would reveal even more that you would unfold. You would unfold, unfold, unfold the scriptures that you would cause the children to have fresh bread, fresh bread to feast on, that they would see the realms open and feast on the heavenly realities that you have laid up for us as we set our affections on you. We look to you and we look to you alone for you have the words of life and your words are your words of spirit and life. We say yes to you. We say yes afresh to you. We love you today, Lord, and we adore you and we're so grateful for who you are. We say thank you that you've given us all things that pertains to life and godliness and that you've given us every spiritual gift in heavenly places. We thank you for the promises that you've placed that you, we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us and you will supply every need according to your riches and glory. We thank you tonight. We thank you and we are honored to be in your presence and to just fellowship with one another as we feast on your word tonight. Have your way, Holy Spirit. Reveal and speak and make known. Reveal the facets of who you are. Reveal a fresh facet. Let the eyes of their understanding be enlightened. Let them know what the hope of your calling is. Let them know freshly who you are even more. Give them a fresh wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of who Christ Jesus is. that we would know who we are. Thank you, Lord. And I speak the, that the love of God that conquers all, I speak the love of God would go into those areas in you and conquer. 
Let the love of God that conquers everything be perfected in those areas of your life where you are weak and allow his love to affirm and to give you clarity on who you are. We tell fear to go. We break off fear in Jesus' name and we say the perfect love of the Father. Feel this place and feel the very hearts and minds of the, of the beloveds that are on here tonight and those that are going to listen. Let the love of the Father feel that the fiery, fervent love that is, that is relentless pursuing us. Let it fill us. Let it overwhelm us. Let it be perfected in us that fear has no place in us. Jesus. We bind and rebuke all hindering spirits, demonic forces, seen and unseen danger. Let the mighty hand of the Lord just go before and push all things out the way. Let the path of the righteous be plain, smooth, and prosperous. For you'll be blessed in the city and blessed in the field. Blessed when you come and when you go. And the blessing, the goodness, the favor of the Lord will chase you down. Will meet you in a divine appointment without delay. Let the fire of the Holy Spirit burn and consume. Let the earth open up right now and swallow up the flood of the enemy. Swallow it up, the flood of the enemy. Swallow up the witchcraft. Swallow up all the darkness. For you said you've given us power to tread upon serpents and scorpions and all power of the enemy and nothing of the kingdom of darkness shall hurt us. For we are marked by your presence and we are carriers of that Abrahamic covenant. We love you today, Jesus. We love you. And we are grateful for who you are. We are grateful for who you are. And Father, I pray what you are releasing, what you're speaking, what you're saying, let it be sustained continuously, not just tonight, but beyond. Let it never lift, Lord. Let it be deposited freshly in them, fused in their cells, fused in their heart, fused in their minds. We thank you today, Lord, and we're so grateful. We're so grateful for who you are. We love you today, Lord, and we adore you. You are our King, you are our Lord, you are our Shepherd, and there is none like you, ever. In Jesus' mighty name we pray, in Jesus' mighty name we pray, amen and amen. Amen and amen. Thank you, Lord. Mm.
Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. For you are good. For you are good. For you are good. Mm. Mm. Thank you, Lord. You are good. Oh, man. Mm. Well, I'm going to get right to it because I want to get this. Get this. I don't want to belabor the time. I want to just continue to move with the flow of the spirit. And um, so tonight we're really going to talk about this. This is this season, this special this season that we're in is such an invitation of the Lord. And I just heard the Lord say this on Monday, last Monday, when we just prayed and read scriptures and prayed and read scriptures. I heard the Lord say, tell them to give me their yes and I will do the rest. And I knew that God wasn't just speaking in that moment. He was speaking and releasing an invitation for you and I, for the body of Christ to step into something totally different than what we are accustomed to. Are you willing to be interrupted? Are you willing to be inconvenienced that God would get his precious fruit, that God would, that God's plan and purpose for your life would be realized? Are you willing to be shifted and moved around that God would have his way? For man makes many plans, but it is the purpose and will of God that prevails. God is a gentleman. But I believe in this, this state that we're in, we're seeing his will and way take shape and form. He is one that is the aggressor. And, and we're going to see as we look from this day and beyond, we're going to see God begin to move and do things because there are things when it comes to his word and his will and way taking shape and form, he is not passive. He is the aggressor. He is proactive. He is moving. And it's about his will and way take shape and form, even if it inconveniences and moves the things of man out the way. Man has been trying to push their agenda for a long time, but God has stepped in to stop things. And he's hoping that the church will take notice and stop looking and, and, and following the narrative of the enemy or following the narrative of religious people that are pushing an agenda that seems very dark and seems very hopeless. But our God is not hopeless. He is full of hope. He is the person of hope. And when, and when we put our trust in him, what he says will never disappoint. But I believe there is an invitation that he is extending, that he wants to reach his people. He wants to pull you out of the place where you've been and give you an opportunity to step into something that he's been wanting to do. I remember there was a season a couple years ago when I went to a particular place and I took communion and I would go there to, you know, go to this uh, church to, you know, just to be with Jesus. And I remember when I took communion, I heard the Lord say these words. He said, I am excited that I get to do in you what I've always wanted to do. And I was, man, I was lit up. I was like, oh my goodness, I'm getting ready to be just floored. But what I didn't understand was that this was a season in which God was going to perfect finish, dot every I, cross every T. He was getting ready to do what he's wanted to bring everything into culmination. The Bible says the work that he has begun in you, he is going to complete. 
Will you give him your yes? Will you allow him to have your yes without anything else attached to it? Can he have the yes from you without you giving him lip or telling him what you think or how things should go? Can he get a yes from you that he would show you who he is, that he would reveal to you his nature, his way? We're going to look at four people tonight. I believe these people we can relate to. They may, they may be in scripture, but they are just as human as you and I. And, I. and I believe as we look at them, we're going to see these four different types of people. And I believe some of you fit in these spaces and you'll be able to find yourself in, in one of these. And I believe God is going to speak to you and reveal himself to you in this season in a special way that's very, very special and sweet to you. Just as he did these people here. So we're going to look at these first people. And the first people we're going to look at, the first person we look at is Moses. When we look at Moses and we look at his life, Moses was a child that was born in a time in which they were looking for the deliverer. And Pharaoh decides, and he, he hears that, that somebody's going to come and bring, take Israel out of, of bondage. And he wants to what? He goes after the generation. We see that now in our day that the enemy is after the next generation. He wants to go after that next generation. Why? Because he's trying to cut off anything that would shift and change. If I can grab them, we can put an end to what God is doing. But can I tell you, Jesus declared this and, he, and it still rings true. And he is the word and the word is him and the word is eternal. He said, the gates of hell cannot prevail against anything that God does because he has never been and he will never will be God's equal. He is a defeated foe that has been defeated, that's been shut down, that's been showed up, and there's nothing that he can do. He may try to hinder, he may try to get you to believe something else, but know that if you follow and listen to the one who has been defeated, you are listening to a loser who needs you. He needs you more than you, more than you, more than you understand, more than you know. What do I mean by that? Because he is defeated, he is on the outside. He doesn't have the rule and reign like he did before Jesus came. When Jesus set, shut that down, his rule and reign is not like it was. He needs you to yield so he can have the access. That's why the Bible says, give no place to what? The enemy. Close all doors. Close them. Shut them down. Give no place to him. Because if you give him place, then he will leverage that and use that against you. So here's Moses. Moses is, is born to a, a mother that has got to hide him. And she hid him as long as she could. And in 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 and and kept him from being persecuted, and put him up, put him afloat on a boat. She didn't know where he was going to end up. She put him in the hands of the Lord, and God allows him to uh, be raised up in Egypt. Now I want you to see something here with Moses. This was very intentional of the Lord. God allowed the Pharaoh's daughter to see Moses and take him, knowing that he's a Hebrew kid. But because the way they believe, 
She believed the river God brought her a baby. Are you hearing what I'm saying? God will use the things that, that the, the opposing people believe against them to what? To facilitate the will of God. And what did that do? God took Moses in, allowed the Pharaoh's daughter to take him in and what? Raise him. But not just raise him, educate him. He was very educated. He, he got the best education that money could buy. He was educated. He was he was groomed to walk head above head and shoulders above. He was groomed to lead. He he was he was he understood what it is to write and to and to and to speak to many languages. I believe Moses spoke to Moses spoke many languages and he was able to litigate with different people. We find him and we find the favor of God on his life as a child. The Bible says the favor of God was on him and that favor of God grew with him. And as he grew, the favoring grew. As he grew, his, his, his influence grew. The sphere of influence grew. Wherever he would go, he would just see the hand of God moving and breathing on this Hebrew kid that's being raised like an Egyptian. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And as he's being raised, he's being prepared, but he doesn't understand that he's not going to be the prince of Egypt. God is preparing him for something far greater. The manifold wisdom of God has not been revealed to him yet because if it was, the enemy would have stopped it. The enemy would have tried to derail or kill Moses or stop Moses from ever becoming that. So God concealed these things and he allowed these things to unfold, unravel slowly but surely. His plan is taking shape and form. Why? Because there is a designated time in which the children of Israel are going to come free. And there's a designated time in which God is going to come in and divinely interrupt the schedule program that's going on to bring about his will and way. And so he grooms and grooms and grooms him and gets into the place where Moses now is a grown man. He's, he's, he's a champion. The Pharaoh loves him. But then Moses gets no, uh, uh, finds out that he's not Egyptian. He finds out that he's Hebrew. And then he wants to then litigate. He wants to fight for his people. He wants to find a way to fight for them. But he's doing that in his own strength. God has not allowed him to step into that space yet. He's not ready for that. Because he's too Egyptian to lead God's people. Even though he knows he is the Hebrew, he's too much Egyptian. God's going to use what he's learned, but he's not going to allow him to lead from that space. He's going to lead from a different space. And so what happens? He has to run for his life. He ends up in the wilderness running for his life outside of what? The borders into the place called Midian. And Moses was about 40 years old. God doesn't care about time. God is not restricted to time. He's not worried about how old you think you need to be to do the things that you need to do. It is you that are worried about time. God is not worried about time. He is not worried about time. If you are going to do some of the things that God says you're going to do, it doesn't matter how old you're going to be. God is going to do those things and those things are going to be done and you're going to do them well or you're going to be able to be prolific in all that God does. 
divorce yourself from the way the world thinks the world thinks and it's so limited we have they put everything on this rat race we got to have kids by this time we got to do this by this time we got to do that by that time do you not understand that the world we live in is preparing everybody to die they retire then die when god is what preparing you for what life and that more abundantly jesus said i came to give you life in this life and and the hereafter your eternity starts the day you said yes to jesus are you hearing what i'm saying we have to elevate our thinking that's why there is such an invitation for you to come out of where you've been thinking so that you can get into a new space and think higher think like your lord have the god type faith and stop thinking like what you've been safe from that's why he says break your conformity because if you don't break your conformity your conformity will keep you conformed it will cage you in and you will not move and breathe and excel in the kingdom like you should because you're trying to move and operate the way things used to be when you were part of that kingdom and god says the fact that i'm doing a new thing says that you're going to learn new ways how to do the new things you're not going to use the old ways to do new things because they will not mix they will not marry they will clash with fellowship is dark and light with fellowship is old and new there is no fellowship we must be willing to be reinvented we must be willing to adapt we must be like children ready and apt to learn so that we can do the thing that God has called us to do. And so he's out in the wilderness 40 years. He meets a man named um, Jethro and he finds a wife and he finds peace. He finds tranquility and he begins to be a shepherd. And he went on this journey of being a shepherd, again, leadership again, but he went on being a shepherd, shepherding what? Sheep learning to watch over them, learning to care for them. And so what a shepherd does, a shepherd fights for the sheep. It leads them to the green pastures. It takes them to the still waters. It provides for them. It fights for them. When the wolf come, it goes after them. And when one strays away, it goes after them to go get them. He was learning. His first 80 years was training so that he can be prepared to do the things that he's going to do. Some of you have been trained. Some of you have groomed and been groomed by God. You've got education you got all these things and all of a sudden God says er, stop I'm going to take what you've got now and take you someplace else I'm going to cause you to move and breathe somewhere else you're like wait hold on God but I spent all this to do this and I spent all that son and daughter don't worry what I allowed you to do was only refining and preparing you and molding you and getting you ready for you to do what I am going to do, that he would get you prepared so that you could host the thing that I want to be seen here on earth in your life as it is in heaven. And so here he is, he's a shepherd. He's been, he's doing it well. He's, he's got a wife and kids, he's excited. He feels peace. He doesn't have to worry about Egypt anymore. And then he encounters the burning bush. I want to read something here. And in Moses, as Moses saw the burning bush, he turned aside to see this great sight, why the bush was burning or on fire, but not burnt. And when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called 
his name. Can I tell you, friend, God knows you by your name. He doesn't call you who you used to be. He doesn't call you by based on the things that you've done. He calls you by your name because your name dictates and determines or even gives you a sense of why you are here on the earth. Even the very city you live in can, can tell be a telltale as to why you are here in this region at this time. Pay attention to what things mean. Because sometimes it's the name and sometimes it's what the name means that God is going to play and orchestrate in your life. And so Moses, he calls Moses by his name. Moses, Moses, Moses. And he says unto him, draw not nigh hither, but take off your shoes. For the ground you stand is holy ground. And so God then begins in verse 7. He says, the Lord says, I have surely seen the affliction of my people in Egypt. Moses did not want to hear Egypt. He did not want to hear about Egypt. He was good. He had spent 40 years in the wilderness in Midian. He was enjoying life. That's not my problem. But the Lord tells him about, I've heard them. I've heard their cry. They've been crying. And now it's time for me to answer. It's time for me to respond and do something about the cry. Because now that the cry has gone up, and also, too, what's attached to this is that the, the, the iniquity in, in, in the promised land where the Canaanites and the, all the Jebusites and Hettites and all the ites they were living, they were the giants. And they had built fortified cities. They had built houses. They had, they had uh, lavished them greatly. They built vineyards and olive trees. And the Lord, hence the promise, the Lord said, I will give you houses that you didn't build. I will give you city, I'll give you great and goodly cities which you build and not. I will give you olive trees and vineyards which you planted not. God was setting them up. And so everything is attached. You can't enter into what God has for you until what he's waiting on is done. Are you hearing what I'm saying? God was waiting for the, the, the iniquity of the Amorites to be reach its point where now it's time to begin to do the switch, begin to judge them, move them out, and move them in. So you find that it isn't just you stepping into the destination point or stepping into there, but there are other things that are connected to your life that, that is going to be a part of what you're doing that's bigger than you that God hasn't revealed yet. But if you stay true and you continue to walk, he will reveal his willing way because why? He wants to. Because he says, I tell my secrets to my friends. I reveal those who are in covenant relationship. God doesn't want you to be in the dark all the time. You're not supposed to be in the dark. He said, it's for you to know the mysteries of the Lord. It's for you to know to, to fellowship in them. It's for you to steward them. How can you steward anything if you don't know anything about it except that God reveal it? Amen. And so now Moses is in this place and God is now revealing, unfolding his plan. He's telling him, you were raised in Egypt. You were educated in Egypt. You were taught how to walk diplomatically. You were taught how to uh, engage with magistrates. You know how to litigate with those in high places. You know how to be with those in low places. You know how to teach people how to read and write. You know how to put infrastructure in. But Moses, you were never going to be the prince of Egypt. I use those things to get you ready so that you can utilize those things for my people. 
You then needed to learn how to be tender, Moses, because even though you had all the academic and you were very scholastic and cerebral and you were able to do these things, you did not have a heart that was tender. And I needed you to be with sheep to learn what it is to care for something other than yourself, because Egypt promote self and they're about self and they're self-serving and they taught you how to look to you and i'm going to teach you in this next 40 years of how to look beyond you that love doesn't seek its own but love what seeks the betterment of others i'm going to teach you what it is to love and care and lead people by leading these sheep i'm going to teach you what it is to be a family man and love family because why? I'm getting you prepared to love my people. So you are not just a shepherd shepherding sheep, but you, you, Moses, you are a deliverer that's going to deliver my people by the mighty power of my hand. And you're going to lead them like a shepherd out of bondage into freedom, into a land that's flowing with milk and honey. This is what God reveals to me, unfolds his manifest wisdom. We are in a season that God is going to unfold to you some things that has been hidden from you, but now is the time to unfold it that you can walk, better walk with him and walk in step with him. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And so Moses understands that and he hears all that and he's like, man, I still don't want to go back to Egypt. Then he says, well, Lord, well, what's, who, who are you? What's your name? So he tells him, Moses said unto God, behold, when I come to the children of Israel and they ask me, who are you? Who should I tell to sit me? And in verse 14, God says unto Moses, I am that I am. And he says, thus shall you say to the children of Israel, I am has sent me. He is the God of your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But he reveals himself as I am to Moses. God revealed a facet of who he is. He gave him something he can wrap his head around. He also gave him something that he could give to the people, that the people would respond and wrap their head around so that they could trust. God will do things, and, and, and uh, I won't say dumb down, but God will bring things to a level where you can understand it so that you can wrap your head around it, so you can better, what? Grasp it and steward it and walk therein. And so he tells him this. But then Moses makes excuses. He says, I don't speak that well. Moses tells the Lord, I, I, I'm, Lord, I'm not an eloquent speaker. When we know they have taught Moses how to speak with magistrates. Moses spoke with kings and queens. He spoke with magistrates in different countries. He he litigated things and 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 brought spices in and and gold in in the pharaoh's um in the pharaoh's courts and he and and so moses knew how to talk with people even if he was slow of speech he still knew how to talk very regal he did not talk ghetto he did not say he did not speak ebonics but he spoke like a royalty and so he says i'm slow of speech uh, God, I can't really talk. And the Lord says to him, who made, the, who made your mouth? 
Who made the dumb and the deaf? Or the seeing and the blind? Have I the Lord? And God is getting a little angry with him. Because all that God is unfolding and sharing with him, Moses is basically making excuses because he does not want to go. It wasn't about he couldn't talk right. It wasn't about this or that. It was that he did not want to go back to Egypt because why? He left shame. He left with shame. He left murdering an Egyptian and knew that if he goes back, he was afraid of what they were going to do, but he was not this time going back by himself. He was going with Yahweh. Can I tell you what he is inviting you in? He is inviting you in to step in with him. He goes before you to prepare the way. He goes with you. He is also the rear guard, redeeming what was so that what is and what is to come is bright and beautiful. But this is Moses making excuses because he really doesn't want to go. He doesn't want to step into that. And God is calling Moses to step into this because you have been prepared. You have been groomed and no one else has been groomed to do this but you. And Moses had to step to it. Now, some people would say, yes, there, you know, God honors free will. And we have there, there are some things that the Lord will not honor. Why? Let me tell you why. Because if, if, if it's in, Jesus said this, he said, I came that the scriptures would be fulfilled, right? So if scripture is to be fulfilled, then Jesus could not break scripture. Scripture had to be fulfilled. He said, do this here that the scriptures would be fulfilled because John wanted to be baptized by him. And he says, no, do this so that the scriptures will be fulfilled. Jesus was very mindful of scripture being fulfilled because why he was very mindful that if any of what, anything that God ever said failed, everything would cease to come undone. Do you understand there are things, God loves you so much and trusts you so much that he is giving you something that he trusts that you are going to choose that or that even you're going to be the son that maybe Jesus gave the parable to two sons. He says this. He says the first son said uh, after the father asked him, oh, I'll go do it. And he didn't do it. Then the second son he went to said, I'm not going to do it. But then what? He was convicted and he went and did it. And Jesus said, which son is blessed? He said the second. He said, you're well spoken. Some of you might be just the second son. You may be called to do something and you like initially, no, nah, I'm not doing that. I'm not going there. I'm not going this. I'm not going to be. And, and then what? You realize you love the Lord so much. You want to honor God, just like you, just like that young man wanted to honor his father. And you go ahead and say, God, no, you have my yes. I'm going to do it. God has groomed you and he's prepared you, but now he's showing you that what he's groomed you and prepared you for is not what you think it is for. It was for something else. Let's go to the next person. Comes to another man. Some of you may relate to this guy here. Where this is in the book of Judges chapter six. Some of you may relate to the, the uh, this guy here, Gideon. 
who is in a time in which Israel is being oppressed by the Midianites. They are their slaves. They have to, they have to, uh, they harvest their grapes and they have to uh, stand in a wine, they have to stand in a wheat press to, to hide, to crush the grapes, to prepare them. Because if the Midianites see them standing where they would normally crush grapes and make wine, the Midianites would come and take the food from them. So they have to do it in hiding. That's how bad it was. It was so bad that they could not do things out in the open because the Midianites would come. And here comes the angel of the Lord. And the Lord says under, under, under Gideon, he appeared unto him and he said, he calls him, he says, the Lord is with thee, thou mighty man of valor. Tells him, God is with you, you mighty man of valor. Gideon may not feel like God has been with him, because Gideon goes on and tells the angel, Gideon says unto the angel, O my Lord, if the Lord has been with us, why is all this befalled us? Where are all the miracles which our fathers have told us, saying, Did not God bring us out of Egypt? Now the Lord has forsaken us and delivered us in the hands of the Midianites. So here's the angel telling Gideon, the Lord is with you and you are a mighty man of valor. And Gideon was not trying to hear that because his circumstances spoke louder than what God was saying. And it's not that it trumped what God was saying, but that's where he was. That's where he was at. And so he just couldn't receive it because he's saying, well, how can this be when I've been in the space? But here's the thing, Gideon, what you fail to understand is that even though you have been in an ugly situation, you have been in a messed up situation. The reason why that situation has not taken you out, has not has not killed you and, 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 and caused you to not be in this moment with me is because that I am with you and I have been with you and I have preserved your life when you should have died. I preserved your life. When I preserved your family when uh, they shouldn't have had. You were living in a time in which you should have succumbed to what's going on, but God was with you and his hand was upon you because at the appointed time, I was going to raise you up and use you to deliver your people. You saw me, you have been through so many things in your life and you're in the season you're having to confront these things and you're saying god where were you where were you in all this here and the lord tells you i was with you and you said how can this be because you let this happen how, how can you be all these things took place in shape and form and the lord says back to you did it take you out are you not still here are you not still breathing are you not still working you may have had to go through this, but all this was taking you through to get you ready again. To prepare you. To show you, I'm not just the God of the good times, but I'm the God of the bad times too. And that I can keep you. And that it wasn't you keeping you. It wasn't your strategies. It wasn't your, your street knowledge. It wasn't your, your insight on things. It was me, my hand on you, preserving you for a time 
that you know not of. And I'm here today to unfold why I've preserved you, why I've had my hand on you, why you have not succumbed to the things that others have succumbed to. Some of you and some of your friends have succumbed to some things that God has preserved you from. Because in this season, he's going to reveal some things unto you. And he tells him, says unto him, my Lord, wherewith shall I save Israel? Because the Lord tells him he's going to save Israel. And he, then he says now, well, my family is the poorest. And I'm the least in my father's house. So he has identified himself as broke, busted, and disgusted. He has identified himself as the least. When Deuteronomy says, the promise of God says that you are the head and not the tail. You are above and not beneath. But that has moved away. The, uh, the, the things that have been happening in his life has trumped the commandment or the word of the Lord. Has what you going through, is that bigger than what God has promised you? Because God said to you, you're going to walk in high places, that you are the head and not the tail, you are above and not beneath. But because of the lack of money and not having enough of it, you see yourself as poor, you see yourself as in lack, and you see yourself as least than. Because all this is determined by your circumstances that you are allowing to dictate who you are. You're listening to the narrative of your circumstances tell you who you are when, and when God says, no, that's not who you are. You have the commandments. You have the, Mo the Moses writings. Moses' writings were there for them to know. But because they were oppressed, they gave up on God. When things don't go our way, a lot of times we walk away from the Lord. We give up on him and we don't want to hear it. We, uh, none of God's word is going to come to pass. It's easy to believe God when things are good, but it takes a little bit, just a little extra effort and a little belief of faith to believe that our God is still in control and that he will do what he says he's going to do. He just never told you you was going to have to walk through this. He just never told you that you would have to go through the fire. He never told you that you would have to go through the water. But guess what? If you go through the fire, you're not going to be burned. You go through the water, you're not going to drown. Because his intention is to bring you into a wealthy place. He's not going to stop until it's good. He is good. His plan for you is good. He's going to bring you into good. And he's not going to stop until it's good. Because that's just who he is. And so God begins to tell him. And the Lord says to him, Peace be unto you. Fear not that you shall not die. Because Gideon perceived that the angel of the Lord, he thought it was the, he thought, oh, I seen God's face, I'm going to die. Now, on top of being busted and disgusted, being the least of them, and being under oppression by the Midianites, I see the face of God, I'm going to die. <laughs> I'm going to die. And the Lord says, mm -mm, peace unto you and fear. You shall live and not die. Why? Because you are my will that's going to be unfolded and revealed and people are going to see who I am through you. And he tells Gideon, he says, and Gideon, the Bible builds, Gideon eventually believes the Lord and he builds an altar unto God and he calls the place Jehovah Shalom. God reveals himself as peace 
in the midst of the boisterous storm. He reveals himself unto Gideon, be at peace, fear not, because I'm with you. Jehovah Shalom is with you, and I'm going to show you who I am, and I'm going to show you who I am through you. And others will know who I am through you, because I'm going to unfold that right now. And so when God unfolds his manifest wisdom, he also reveals his name. He reveals his nature. He reveals his character. And you hear what I'm saying? Some of you can relate to Gideon. Not feeling like you are less than. Maybe you've been told that you're you're never going to be great. You're never going to amount to nothing. You're, you're always going to be dumb. Some of our people have said some very ugly things to us and Sadly, we have believed it because we loved them and because we held them, esteemed them and, and they were the authority and they spoke and they planted bad seeds and they didn't know no better. They were just they were just doing what they thought they knew what was done to them. It was a, a vicious cycle that was continuing. But God had a plan to put a stop to that cycle that even though it reached into the next generation, the redeemer of everything knows how to undo and and stop what the enemy has tried to do, that what? That God would arise and enemies would be scattered and God's will and way would take shape and form, not just in the, the generation before, but in the generation to come. That people would see who God is and you guys represent that. You represent these the 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 the, the bloodstained banner of Christ Jesus in your bloodline where you say, today it stops here. It ain't going any further. What was and what was and way back when is stopping now because what's going, what is and what is to come is going to be different and it's going to be different than what it was because of your stance in Christ Jesus, because of what you believe. But know that you are mighty in God. You are a mighty man. You are a mighty woman of valor. You are the bride. Do you know Psalm, do you know um, uh, Proverbs 31? is not about the bride as you know it is she is a warrior bride is what she is she is a warrior bride she is ready to wage war she is ready to advance she is not only without spot wrinkle or blemish and she is ready to meet her broom but she's ready to fight she's aggressive she's proactive that picture of the uh, Proverbs 30 woman is not this dainty, prissy woman, you know, that's, oh, I'm just tipping toe through the tulip. Now she's a warrior bride. She's like her bridegroom, who is a warrior king who is coming back for a mature bride. And he is going to be, he, he's going to be a warrior. And we are what? Raised to be warriors. You know, we're not going to be timid. We're going to be full of the boldness of the Holy Spirit to do what it is that we're supposed to do. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So some of you may view yourself not that way. And God is here to say, you are mighty and you are something special. And this is who you are. And I'm here to tell you that I'm not only with you, but you are mighty and I'm going to do mighty things through you, to you and through you. It, the, 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 the struggles and the challenges that you have bared is in no comparison to the glory that shall be revealed in you and through you for the world to see. Amen.
Let's keep moving. Let's keep moving. We want to get to, want to get to Jeremiah, the prophet. Some of you may re relate to Jeremiah. And Jeremiah was a young child when the Lord called him. And the Bible says in the word, in Jeremiah chapter one, it says, in the word of the Lord came to me saying, before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. Before you came forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee. And I ordained thee as a prophet. Can I tell you, friends, God, the plan and the purpose of God's will always prevail because his plan was from way back before the foundations of the earth. He says, before your mother knew you, when you were with me in eternity, you and I discussed these things were going to take shape and form and that you didn't remember it when I was forming you in your mom's belly. The only thing you remember was my voice, but at certain times of your life, you would begin to remember, but you like to call it revelation. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And God here in this particular picture, he's revealing himself as creator. Yahweh. My name is Yahweh. And I have ordained you. I have called you to be these things. And why is this so important? Because who you are and what God has determined for you to be has been foreordained in the mind of God before you were ever in your mom's belly. And when you got in your mom's belly, like he said, I sanctified you, I ordained you, and I sanctified you to be an apostle, prophet, pastor, teacher, worship, whatever it is that God has called you to do. He has sanctified you and ordained you to be these things before you were ever here in this plane. And it was, it was of the Lord's plan that you would meet God. So that what? Then he could give your life purpose. He could allow what he had discussed with you before you were here to take shape and form. Again, what you remember is what we like to call revelation. What's being revealed. And he tells him, he says, but Lord, I'm a little child. And God says to him, say not that you are a child. For thou shalt go to all the places I send thee, whatsoever I command thee to speak. Be not afraid of their faces. Do not fear man. For I am with thee to deliver thee. And the Lord says, I will put forth my hands to touch your mouth, to anoint your mouth. And behold, I will put my words in your mouth. See, I have set this day, you over nations, over kingdoms, to root up, to pull down, to destroy, to throw down, to build, to plant. He thought he was too young. Age was a thing for him. He was worried about, I won't be received if I'm Gen, if I'm Gen Z, you know, or, you know, some of us think, you know, or even some of us at Gen X or, or millennials are thinking, well, we won't be received because people 
who are more qualified or who are more experienced will tell us, you don't know anything about this. You have no stake or claim in this. And God says, yes, you do. I have foreordained and sanctified you to do this. And it took some time to get you here because I'm grooming and preparing you. But know that your youth, whether it is a chronological age or your inexperience in a thing, know that it's not by might nor by power, but it is by the spirit of the Lord that you are going to be able to do the things you do, walk through the doors you walk through, be in the places that you're going to be, and nothing is going to stop when God is with you. You hear what I'm saying? God is saying, don't let God, nothing of your chronological age or, or, your, or your inexperience to be in a situation that's not based on that. All things are done by the spirit of the Lord. And God says, because I have sanctioned this, I have, I have ordained this, this is my will. This is my word and it cannot fail. And you are sent to do these things here. And he lists these things here. There are, there are instructions. There are things that God is going to unfold to reveal to you what you are called to do in your sphere of influence, what you have been given authority to do. And he lets him know he has authority to, to, to over nations and he has authority to kings. He's going to meet with magistrates. He has the authority to uproot and to plant and to build and destroy. God has given him this authority. And there is some, there is an authority that God is giving you that's going to be realized and made known to you as he unfolds it. Why you need this, you need to know why so that you can better what? Steward and take care of what God has given you and you can move and step with him. He's not trying to withhold his manifest wisdom from you. He's withheld it from the enemy because the enemy is not a friend. The enemy is an enemy, but you are a friend. You are a son or a daughter. You are a bride. You are in covenant relationship with one and he wants to reveal more to you than you than you ever knew possible. What, you're asking me to do what now, Lord? You mean to tell me I can, you called me to do this? Yeah, you guys, some of you think that you are where you are and all that you are is what you are today. Uh, can I tell you, friends, that is not who you are? That God is going to begin to unfold and tell you why you are here. What it really is and unfold. And like he tells um, Jeremiah, he unfolds to him, he shows him. I've called you to be a prophet. You are going to have the office of prophet and you're going to be prophets to nations. Some people are prophets to nations. Some people are prophets to certain. Everybody has their space. Everybody has their sphere of influence that you're called to. And, and God has ordained you for that. And I can't do what you do. You can't do what I do. But it's all God and it's all for the purpose of the kingdom to be advanced. Amen. Let's get to our, let's get to our last person here. We want to get to our last person. I, I know I listed men and I want to list a woman because Jesus, it's interesting, Jesus did this here. In the story of Mary, Mary is about 13 years old, maybe 12 or 13 years old. And she is betrothed to a man who has grown. Back in those days, um, in Jewish culture, when a boy or girl got to the age of 12, they, they were considered adults. They were considered at the age of accountability. Their, their years prior to that were their formative years where they were learning 
the Torah, learning all these things, learning how to be a girl or a guy, learning to take their place in society. And and between the ages of 12 and and what we call what, you know, 18 or whatever, they were figuring out what they were going to do and like what their role, whether they're going to be a carpenter, goldsmith, you know, whether they were going to be a Pharisee, whether they're going to be a, a religious scholar, whatever it is that God was calling them to do. And so here's this 13 year old girl, um, you know, now at the age of accountability, being able to what? Get pregnant and have a kid. And all of a sudden, here comes God interrupting, intercepting. Just like he did for Moses, just like he did for Gideon, just like he did for Jeremiah, he's doing for Mary. And the Bible says here in first, uh, Luke for chapter 1, verse 26, it says, In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God unto the city of Galilee, the, in uh, the place called Nazareth. God knows where you live. He knows where you live. He knows where you at at every time of the day. The God we serve knows everything. You cannot hide from him. That's what David said. David said, I cannot hide from, you know, my uprising and my downsitting. You know where I'm at at all times. You know what I'm thinking in my heart. You know all things. Then we need to treat God like he does know all things and not treat him like we got to think for him. Keep going. He says here to a virgin, a spouse to a man whose name was Joseph. So she was a spouse to him. She was, you know, the deal was made. He gave the bride cost for her. To the, to the dad, and in exchange, he got his, the, uh, she was betrothed to him. They weren't officially married yet, um, but they were on their way. They, there was an agreement on the way. But here comes God. The angel of the Lord comes in unto her and hails her and says, Thou art highly favored. The Lord is with thee. Blessed are you among women. God speaks to her and says, You are highly favored. And the Lord is with you and you are blessed among women. Why? Because you're carrying something special. You're carrying something special because you are in covenant relationship. I have chosen you to carry this. No one else is asked to carry this, but you goes on and says to her, and she was like bewildered by this salutation at the angel. Cause she saw herself as just a 13 year old girl. Like, you're speak, you must be speaking to somebody's royalty or somebody, you can't be talking to me, but can I tell you that Mary was a descendant of David? So she was royalty? Side note. And he says to her, the angel says unto her, fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. Here, Yahweh reveals himself as father. Father planting his son in her. He reveals himself as father. And he goes on and says here, and he says, and ye, he shall be great and shall be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of David. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever and of the kingdom. There shall be no end. And there's still no end. And we're going to see him come back as the warrior king. And he's going to come in and, 
and and really let all those in the second heaven know what's really going on. He he he's not done yet. Part two is on the way. Um, but he goes on and says here, and Mary says unto the angel, How can these things be, seeing I know no man? She's 13 years old. She is like, Okay, you just told me I'm getting ready to conceive. I I am betrothed to Joseph. I know no man. I am new to this. God, yeah, and then the Lord tells her. The angel of the Lord says, the Holy Ghost is going to overshadow you. The power of the highest is going to overshadow you. And it's going to what? It's going to fertilize your egg. Because why Why did he need Mary, uh, Mary's egg? Because he still needed the physical form. The seed part would link him to God, but the egg linked him to humanity. So therefore he was both son of God and son of man, but he needed to be son of man because if he was going to be the example for us and and win the win the uh, fight, the war that we lost in the beginning, he had to do it as a man. So he had to take on physical form. He just didn't take on, he was just not the seed of man because why the seed of man was tainted, was tainted with sin. So he had to be the seed of of God because why Jesus was going to be the new breed of believer. He was going to be the new blueprint for what man was going to be. Are you hearing what I'm saying? We were no longer looked to Adam as the blueprint. Jesus is the blueprint because in Romans, Paul gets a revelation. It is the father's will. He said, he for he that uh, the person that he foreknew and foreordained, he foreordained for us to be what? To be conformed to the image of his son. So it was in God's mind long before the fall that man would be ultimately like his son. Conformed to the image of Christ Jesus and we would move and breathe as he did. And so Mary hears this and Mary says down there, be it unto me as you say, Lord. She just is so submissive and just says, okay, I may not understand this, but because you have explained it, I know that you are good. I'm just going to believe this. Here is Mary. And I believe there's something special about God choosing young Mary because she lived in a culture where it was predominantly male-driven. Women pretty much in that culture had a subservient role. They were, they were considered a lot of times as possessions and not really have a voice. And when they did speak out of turn, they were, they were tarred and feathered for it. They were punished for it because why? It was a male-driven thing. Can I tell you the son that she gave birth to? Can I tell you when Jesus started his ministry? Jesus didn't just have men, 12 men following him. He had women that were following. And the Bible says that they supported his ministry. I'm going to read this to you. Let's. I want to read this. Read this to you because I want you to to know this because I don't want you to think that I made this up and and I, and and and. But I want you to see this is this was of this is of God's will. Here it's in uh, Luke chapter eight and it says here in Luke chapter eight verse one it said it came to pass afterwards that he went throughout every city and village preaching, showing glad tidings of the kingdom, and the twelve were with him. Twelve were with him. Now certain women which have been healed of evil spirits and infirmities, Mary Magdalene, whom which the seven devils came out of, Joanna, the wife of, uh, of, of um, and she was, um, she was uh, Herod's servant, Herod's steward over his house, and Susanna, and many other which ministered unto 
to Jesus with their substance. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So it wasn't just 12 men following Jesus, but women, more than the women that were named, traveled with Jesus. So Jesus had a big entourage of men and women, and women took, supported what he was doing. But here's what Jesus did. Jesus elevated the woman to a place where she could speak, where she was relevant. Hence, on the day when he was resurrected, the woman, it was a woman who gave the first message that he has risen. Do we think that it was just the apostles that went out and preached and talked about Jesus? No, the women were there too. Every woman that got delivered and healed would then became disciples and they what? Got fed and taught just like the disciples did. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So you, you have a place. Let no one tell you because you are a woman that you don't have a place because you do have a place. And God intends because the Bible says in the book of Joel, I'm going to pour out my spirit on all flesh. My sons and my daughters will what? Prophesy. They will preach. They will proclaim the inspired word of God. They will be used in this season and time to do the things that God has called them to do. Are you hearing what I'm saying? God is using women. It isn't just a male thing. It is a male and female thing. And God is using you in this season. You have a part in this and you have something special to do for the Lord. And the Lord uses Mary as to carry something special, to give birth to something special that would turn around and shift culture and shift things around them and allow what was not allowed to come into to play and now women would have a place now the will of god would be fulfilled male and female would be joint heirs in christ jesus moving and breathing and advancing the kingdom the way god intended from the beginning can I tell you, friends, that God has something for you in this season? There is an invitation for you to draw near. There is an invitation. There is a new space for you to step into. And that all that you've been has been has got you to this place and has prepared you for this place. And now it is time for God to unfold the full scope of why he has called you here, why you are here, why you're in the space, why you're connected to the people you're connected to, why you are in the sphere of influence, why you're part of whatever mountain you're a part of where God has you, or why you feel called to these various things, because there is something that they're going to see. What are they going to see? They're going to see a facet of who he is be revealed in, in you and through you. And it is time that the world Behold, the sons of God. And they would get to see who our God is and know that he is alive and well. So there is an invitation that God is extending, that he would reveal himself to you in such an intimate way that you would never be the same. And I guarantee you, each one of these people that encountered an aspect of God, he, the great I am, the Jehovah Shalom, um, Yahweh, the creator, or even Abba, the father, giving his son, planting his son and a little girl. These four people were never the same. Can I tell you, you are, you are ready and ripe 
for an encounter with the Lord that will that you'll never be the same, that you will never be recovered. You will not recover. You will come out of it. You go in one way and leave a different way. And this is set so that what we can truly advance the kingdom in this day and time, the way God designed it. Father, I thank you today, Lord. I thank you for what has been heard. I thank you for what has been said. I pray that the eyes of their understanding be enlightened. I pray that they would receive what has been said, that it would plant on good ground, that it would grow. Father, I pray that if there's any rocks or thorns or thistles, Lord, or any cares of this life, I speak peace to the rage and sea of emotions. I speak peace. Let there be peace and allow them seeds to land and take root and grow and get deep roots that it would shift and change and transform and bring your people into what you're calling them to be. Father, I ask, I bless them. I speak a blessing over them that you would cover them and all that you'll call them to do. Father, I pray that you have gone before them, prepared the way, and now you're ready to take them to what you have prepared. And it has nothing to do with how they see themselves but it has everything to do with what you have determined before they were ever here in your mind, before the foundations of the earth. You are ready for those things to take shape and form here on earth as it is in heaven because heaven has always been and always will be our blueprint. So give us, Father, what you have already given us in heaven. Give it to us here on earth so that your will and way can take shape and form and be fulfilled, as the scriptures have said. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen.